This episode is brought to you by Scribe. Scribe is my premium, high-level training for aspiring authors and accomplished authors. For a number of years, Scribe has been a live event. But recently, we've put the entire training online. So no more airfare expenses or hotel fees. No more face diapers. No more fear of catching a disease that was spawned by some guy who decided to eat a bat. <clears throat> you can watch the training videos and download the notes as well as the cheat sheets all from the comfort of your own home. Plus, you'll receive over $6,000 in bonuses, which includes a private Facebook group where you will receive further coaching and connect with everyone who has gone through the training in the past. Scribe covers everything from how to write a successful book, to how to finish it, to how to get it published, and the hard part, how to promote it so that people beyond your family and best friends will want to buy it. Head over to attendscribe.com attendscribe, all one word, dot com. And you can read all about it, including testimonials from those who have gone through the training. My guest is none other than Frank Viola. Frank's mission is to take men and women everywhere and call them deeper into the deeper Christian life. His books have had a personal profound effect on my life, and I can't wait to introduce him to you today. Frank is someone I consider a mentor and a friend. And guys, we have a great episode lined up for you because today we're going to be talking about Frank's unprecedented productivity and how you can take some of his time-tested techniques. This man is focused. This man has produced quality content since 2005, producing over 30 books, two blogs, runs two podcasts, and also hosts seminars and conferences. So there's so much we can learn in his journey as a creator and entrepreneur, and also as someone who ministers the deeper things. In this episode, we are going to talk about some of the current trends in Christianity. We're also going to look at how Frank has managed to produce so much content. We're going to look at the differences between what he describes as the studio life versus the industrial life. And you're going to learn a little bit about how he got started and found his mission. If you struggle with self-doubt or discouragement, stay with this episode because you're going to get Frank's personal formula for how he overcomes that. Guys, this episode is so good. Our conversation was so great that I decided to take this interview and break it into two parts. So we are going to start with part one today with Frank Viola. Frank Viola, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Josh. <laughs> Privileged to be on, bro. Well, Frank, I got to tell you, you've had your ministry, your writing has had such an impact on my life. I came across your first book, Pagan Christianity, back in 2008. So that's when I first got introduced to your writing. We know that book made a lot of ripples and it, it had a huge impact in the Christian community, but I didn't stop there. And I know that's your goal. You don't want people good, to stop good, with that book. Because it's not a standalone <laughs> book. Good. I, I understand it. And I went to the next one and I went to the next one. You know, I went into everything that you've written. So when you release a book, I pre-order, I get it right away. And guys, I'm just telling you, if you're listening to this, get Frank's stuff. It's so deep. It's so rich. In a day and age, Frank, where um, what I describe as superficial Christianity, where we're hit with topical messages and we're hit with all these different themes that are being discussed from church pulpits across America, what you write are uncut gems. They're things that are 
beautiful. They're great. They take us into the deeper life. They've definitely have, have had an impact on my life. And I know they'll impact anyone who reads them. So I, I just personally, before we start, I just want to say thank you. I appreciate that and praise the Lord. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, that's awesome. And you know, a couple of years ago, we got a chance to meet live. We connected and it's just been great building a relationship with you. So I've been excited and looking forward to introducing you to the audience. So before we get started today, um, let me allow you to introduce yourself to the audience because I gave you a little introduction there and we know you're an established author. Um, but if you could tell us a little bit of your backstory and how you went from where you started to where you are now, that would be awesome. My work is really geared toward those who say in their hearts, there has to be more than this. You mentioned superficial, shallow Christianity. Well, there's a segment of the Christian populace that would agree with that assessment. I certainly would. And so consequently, my books, my messages, my articles have turned the lights on for Christians who want something deeper and higher in their Christian experience. In fact, the Lord has been merciful <laughs> to use my work to turn lights on in places where no light exists. I also have a business where I train authors, and you've been part of that training yourself, uh, and content creators. So that's another side of my work. It, it's the business side, uh, so to speak. But my heart beats for the ministry that uh, that I'm involved in, and that has just been a progressive journey of writing before the internet hit, and then starting a blog, and we'll we'll get into that later. And then that moved over to writing books. So yeah, that's it in a nutshell. All right, Frank, you just brought up you know superficial Christianity, which is something that I I basically stand against as well, and we talk about on this show as well. So that's why I'm super excited to have you here. But let's let's get your thoughts on that because right now we live in a really unique era. You know, we have social media, so anyone can publish, which is great. You can be a content creator. There's not as many barriers to get your message out, to get your ideas out, to get your thoughts out. And at the same time, we also see a rise of other people, of all people, getting their message out. But the downside is we need discernment to discern what are those messages we're listening to and which ones should we subscribe to. So what are your thoughts on just Christian ministry right now, specifically in the influencer space, where we just see the rise of so many voices and there's so many options that we can choose to listen to? Where do we and how do we make those choices of who we should be following? That's an interesting question. To my mind, every Christian is in a different place spiritually. Some are new to the journey, to the Christian journey. Some have been around for a long time. Some believers got saved in big movements. Others got saved by the witness of one or two people. Uh, so a person's spiritual appetites will differ from individual to individual. So I can't speak for other people or voices I can only tell you what my work is focused on. My work is focused on what Andrew Murray called the deeper Christian life. I call it the deeper journey. That's the tagline of my ministry. And in my youth, I traversed just about every denomination, Josh, uh, every movement, uh, virtually every movement, I would say, in the Christian space. And for me, it was a journey of receiving the best that all of them had to offer, but eventually I was left hungry and thirsty and with a burning question. And that was, there has to be more than this. <laughs> so that would lead me to another ministry. That would lead me to another parachurch organization. That would lead me to another movement. 
And I did that. I, I basically tried to acquire all of the gems that I could in each movement, in each denomination and, and so forth, each tribe. But it all, at the end of the day, left me hungry and thirsty. And it left me hungry and thirsty, not for more academic knowledge, not for more of an emotional experience. It left me hungry and thirsty for more of Jesus Christ, for more of him. So that, in effect, is the taproot of all of my work. It has been birthed by my own quest and question of there must be more. And what I have written and spoken is, yes, there is more. Here is some of what it is. And because it has impacted my own life, then I put it in print or I put it in the spoken message or I put it in, you know, the form of a podcast episode. And it's resonating with a certain segment of the Christian populace. Now, the majority of the Christian world is not in that place. You know, they're not seeking what is more. The majority of Christians, by my observation, are pretty content in whatever denomination, whatever movement they're in. Now, in time, lots of them leave, and then they do come to this place of, there's got to be more. <laughs> what is it? Um, and that's when they find people like me, okay? But right now, you know, so many of them are not on the journey. There is a difference between what the mass market is geared toward and what it wants, both in the business world and in the Christian world. And the masses are just not on the deeper journey. And that's okay. And it's never been that way throughout church history. It's only been a small segment. Now, that doesn't mean they're better or they're more elite or they're superior. It just means they're in a different space. And that's the space that I'm on. Wow, that was really well said. You said a couple of things there, Frank, I want to pick up on. You know, the first thing you said was, or what stood out to me was your ability to focus. You know, you really answered that question by saying you're really focused on what you're doing and you're not so much paying attention to everything else, which I think is a huge takeaway because in a, a day and time where we're so driven by distractions and there's so many things competing for our attention, you know what you're called to do, you can keep your head down and you can stay aligned to your mission. And that just speaks to a lot of discipline, not to put your head up and look around and get caught in comparison as well. Yeah, that's true. I'm laser focused. And if I wasn't, I would not have been able to produce the amount of resources that I've been able to by God's grace. I'm not someone who uh, is easily pulled away by, you know, the latest thing in the Christian world. I mean, there are many fads in the Christian world. There are many yeah. trends. And usually about every five years, a new fad <laughs> emerges. A new wind blows through the doors of the church. And I, Josh, basically have learned not to pay attention to them. In fact, I was asked recently by someone, uh, I have a mastermind for pastors and teachers, and one of the pastors asked me a question. He said, what do you have to say about the recent trend of abuse in church leadership? And my response to him was, there's been abuse in church leadership for decades. And I said, I wrote about it in 2008, you know, so I don't pay attention to the latest, you know what I mean? And my work has addressed most of the winds and trends and fads that are blown through the church every five years because I've been putting out work for so many years. And these things are cyclical, whatever it may be. There's nothing new under the sun, even in the Christian world. It's just a recycling of a new emphasis. I don't pay attention to that. I'm focused on what God has put on my plate 
and I have ways of doing that and ways of avoiding distraction and a ways of and ways of being enormously productive that I've learned and acquired over time. Um, especially in this day and age, you know, one of the things that we talk about on this show, Frank, and that I've seen in my own life, writing a book and getting it to completion, is I've learned the principle that there is dominion in finishing something. You actually take dominion in life when you finish a project because it's easy to start. And many men start or they think about starting something. But when we get into, even if we look at the, st- the statistics on people who buy books, um, <laughs> you and I both know as authors, like many people don't even open them up. And then the ones that start reading them, it's even fewer that finish the book. So even when it comes to just finishing reading a book, that's very hard to find these days. Let's get into your your methodology there. And, and I think you call this the studio life versus the industrial life. So I'd like you to elaborate on that for the audience. And these are new terms for us. So would love to hear the difference there as a content creator and how you maintain that discipline, if you could walk us through that. One of the things that people have asked me often is, you know, how do you produce all this content and what's what's the secret behind it? Because I was asked this so many times, I produced a course called Prolific. It took me a while to come up with that name. <laughs> and I think it I think it describes, you know, what it's all about. And basically Prolific is a course that teaches what I have learned and what I practice myself with respect to productivity, creativity, mission finding, which is a big deal for many people. How do I find my mission? goal setting. And all of these things have come out of my experience through failures, successes, experimentations. I have five things that I'll I'll mention that may be of help to your listeners. One, I have a time management system that makes me incredibly productive in a short space. Two, I use certain tools that helps me slice time. And they're all unveiled in the prolific course, all the tools. I have mastered the power of the plod. And for me, the power of incremental change is beyond wonder. A little bit every day adds up until you can actually complete the project. Lots of times people are just overwhelmed by the size of what they have to do. And it creates anxiety and fear and they end up quitting. So the plod is is something that has rescued many people, including myself from that. The fourth one is I say no to things that are outside my wheelhouse and that will not move the needle on my mission. I have a list of seven questions that I run through. All invitations or opportunities, including the one you sent me to be on this podcast. I ran it through my seven list grid. I'm glad I made it. (laughs) (laughs) And then five, I'm crystal clear on my mission. And also, I'm aware, keenly aware that my days are numbered. And that's the case for every mortal. You know, we're not going to live forever. So my mission and my limited time that I have to fulfill what drives me, I hope I can do so before I leave this planet and be with the Lord. Regarding the studio life versus the industrial life, and that's really what I contrast it with. The studio life is the life of an artist. And I define art as any creative work that a human being produces that's unique to them, all right? So art can take the form of music, painting, drawing, photography, but it can also take the form of writing literature and delivering messages, which is my world. And the industrial life, or you can call it the factory life, there you you basically clock into a building and you're a cog in the wheel that can be replaced And the industrial life is an echo of the assembly line of 1925. You're a cog in the system. 
And the industrial life wants to replace you eventually, but an artist cannot be replaced. So for example, there are thousands of creative artists, authors, conference speakers, I'm speaking about my world now, entrepreneurs, but each artist, all right, myself included, yourself included, is unique to all of them, right? Your writing style is different from everyone else's. My writing style is different, all right? We cannot be replaced. And for the first 17 years of my life, my adult life, I was a cog in the wheel. I'm talking about my adult life, right? When I started my first job, I was a public school teacher. I retired early and guess what? I was replaced <laughs> because that was the industrial life. And that's what happens, right? They get a new cog to replace the old cog in the system. For the last 20 years though, I have been living the studio life. I transitioned to the studio life and nobody can replace what I do. And so the studio life, I would put it this way. It's where I create, I meditate, I pray, I study, I edit, I do interviews, I create podcasts, I author books, articles, I get inspired. And the road life is attached to the studio life, right? That's where I will speak in conferences, seminars, visit churches, work with churches, meet the Lord's people direct, hold in-person masterminds. And part of the studio life is virtual meetings. So I actually have a studio. It's not a music studio. <laughs> it's the studio where I create my own art. And I'm sitting in it right now as we're having this podcast. But I much prefer the studio life than the industrial life. You know, for a person who is driven, they have a mission, they have a message, they can move, eventually transition. I believe if they take the right steps and they're given the right training, they can move from the industrial life to the studio life. And me personally, as I said, I much prefer that. <laughs> well, you talked about having a mission there. So I have to ask you, when did you realize that you have a mission? Because when someone writes their first book or they think about releasing a message, there might be some self-doubt that comes with that, or is my message good enough? And one of the things you said that really encouraged me, and I use it myself, is that we all speak differently. So I, I view it this way, is like, no one can say it like you, Frank, and no one can say it like me, and no one can say it like the listener who's listening right now. So that validates all of our style. But when you first started, did you have that amount of confidence with it? Or how did you grow into the creator that you are today? Let's take that in pieces. First, finding my mission. Now, I distinctly remember I was 17 years old. I was listening to a preacher speak, and it was like a revelation to me that I would be not a pastor, all right, not a pastor of a local church, but I would be a traveling speaker, someone who has a traveling itinerant ministry. It was a cloudburst. I saw it clearly. I also saw near the same time that I was not to go to Bible college or seminary. And looking back, I'm glad I didn't. Now, I interact with seminary professors all the time. I have had debates, robust debates with, with quite a few of them. I've spoken in conferences with seminary professors, some very well-known theologians, some of the most well-known theologians in the world, for example. But I'm glad I didn't go that route because the discoveries I've made, I'm quite clear I would not have made them if I had that education. There's certain things that you're not going to learn in seminary. And this is the testimony of many people, Josh, who I work with, many pastors and leaders. They say, I've never learned half of the stuff that have transformed my life in seminary. And I went for many years. Anyway, that's a, that's a rabbit trail. But that mission, that vision began to grow 
in time. And there was one point in time where I got very clear on what I was to do. I don't remember the year it was, but I do remember what I was doing when it happened. So basically, I think for, for anybody who wants to get clear on the mission, and like I said, the prolific course does give you a very practical direction on how to find your mission, because it's how I found mine when I began to dissect it. I'm looking back, of course. But regarding self-doubt, you know, I have certainly had self-doubt in the past. But over the years, I have become so clear on what my mission is that I don't doubt the value I create when I put something into the world. What I do deal with <laughs> is not being sure about the impact that a particular resource is going to have. All right. Now, I used to think, well, this article that I just wrote, it's going to go viral. It has to. <laughs> or this book I just wrote is going to become a bestseller. And I'll talk to my agent and he'll say, yes, I think it's going to be a bestseller. Or this podcast episode is going to spread all over the world. And whenever I've made those predictions, Josh, I have been wrong. <laughs> and the stuff that goes viral, the resources that do go viral, or the book that becomes a bestseller, I didn't expect it. So I quit anticipating or predicting or expecting. That said, the imposter syndrome, and there's a name for the self-doubt you're talking about, is very common to creators. Even the most successful people, whether they're in the Christian space or they're in the entrepreneurial space or they're in the acting space or the celebrity space, all successful people struggle with it. And what I have learned about it is that when you feel that self-doubt coming on you, it doesn't always mean this, but it often means that you're leaning out of the boat into something that's significant. And so the key is that if you really feel burdened to release something into the world, you have to learn to launch it despite the fear. And this next thing is related, and I think it will speak to a lot of listeners. My own kryptonite is discouragement. And discouragement is part of any ministry. Well, I personally have a PhD in it, though. <laughs> uh, however, I have always, thank God, managed to bounce back from it. But when it's on me, I don't have that assurance. Uh, even though I've seen this old friend before, it's like dancing with a new one. And I dedicate an entire chapter in my latest book, 48 Laws of Spiritual Power. I dedicate a whole chapter to discouragement. And I talk about my remedy and I share it with the reader because I do think there is a remedy to discouragement. At least there has been in my own life. So I give that recipe in, in that book. This happened to me once a number of years ago. I was speaking at a conference. There was a gentleman there who was on his laptop the whole time. I think I gave seven or eight messages in that conference. It was a a lengthy conference. And I was focused on him because I started a relationship with him and he was a fellow leader. And there was about 200 people at this conference, but for some reason I was focused on him. He was on his laptop the whole time. I thought the best. I thought, well, you know what? Maybe he's taking notes. <laughs> well, then I found out from the people sitting around him, no, he was doing his own work the whole time. <laughs> And he was a man, so I don't think he could multitask. At least I've not met many men who can do that. So basically, he was zoning out on my messages, right? And it really discouraged me, Josh. But then I realized, what about the woman who was sitting in front of him who had tears in her eyes as I was speaking? What about the guy to his left who was on the edge of his seat and was taking so many notes 
that his hand was wearing out. What about the guy to his right who was electrified and told me that afterwards? And so basically, here's what I learned. Those messages at that conference were not for that man who was on his laptop. They weren't for him. I had a pastor who's part of my mastermind, the uh, Insurgents Experience Mastermind, very recently asked me this, Frank, how do you deal with people who are not responsive to your message or who don't like a book you have written? And in some cases, I could look objectively and say, well, you know, I could have done it better this way or could have written it better this way or could have delivered it better this way. In some cases, I can objectively say that. But in most cases, it is a case, but it wasn't for them. The book wasn't for that person. The message was not for that individual. It was for a lot of other people, but it wasn't for them. And I gave him the illustration that if you drag me to a country music concert, I would not like it. I would not respond to it favorably. Not because it's not valuable, not because the people who weren't talented, not because it wasn't a great event. It's because it's not for me. I don't like country music. <laughs> and if you forced me, I wouldn't do this. I'd never do this. But if you forced me to rate it on a scale of one to five, I would give it a one star because it's not for me. And so if those of you who are listening, God has given you a gift. God has given you a message. You know it's the Lord. It's not going to be for everybody. The most successful books that have ever been written, or let, let me just say, the most impactful and important books that have ever been written, that have ever been penned, are going to have tons of one-star reviews. But they're going to have a lot more five-star and four-star reviews. And all those one-star reviews really say is, it wasn't for them. Wrong audience. So every creator needs to get clear on who their audience is. Who am I writing for? Who am I speaking to? Who is my work for? And once you get clear on that, you can focus on those people, the people who really respond, the people who uh, are transformed by your work, and ignore the people to whom it's not for, rather than look at it, focus on it, and get discouraged. And let me just make a comment because for the people that leave one-star reviews or you feel the need to leave a negative comment or put some hate in the feed, you can keep scrolling. You don't have to stop and do that, right? So for it's a it's an energy expenditure. So I would say just keep scrolling. We don't get caught in the mix and um, focus on what you're called to do. So I love that, Frank. Hey, guys, this is a postscript just before you head out and we part ways. I have created a bundle of free resources. This would include my other podcasts, the YouTube channel, several free ebooks, free seminars, and other free resources. And you can find all of that at frankviola.com. And if you go to frankviola.com, you will see in the top menu a link that says free stuff. You just click on that and you will be taken to the free resources page. Also, a number of you have asked if you could donate to help defray the costs of the podcasts and also to express appreciation for the value that you've been receiving. You're under no obligation to donate. I don't ask for donations, but should you have it on your heart to do so, you can go to frankviola.us. That's frankviola.us. And that will take you to a donate page. There's three different options you can use to donate all of them simple thank you very much and god bless